You don't just start playing baseball and then instantly make it to the major leagues. You have to work hard to get there. You have to have a game plan to get yourself to be the MVP. The Most Valuable Producers podcast is not for the average agent. You can't be average to become the MVP. Just like in the big leagues. You can't just be a one or two or three tool player. You have to be a five tool player to become the MVP. You can make a difference in someone's life every single day in this job, in this career, in this industry. What's your game plan? This is your host of the show, Mitch Gibson. You are listening to the MVP Podcast. What is going on, MVP Podcast? It's your boy, Mitch Gibson, joined by a special guest and actually contestant and competitor of the Protégé, um, Mr. Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith comes to us all the way from out west in the Oklahoma parts and the Texas parts of this world. Um, he doesn't have a cowboy hat on, so I'm kind of a, kind of a little bit disappointed, but I don't think he's the cowboy type. He is fourth-generation insurance agency um, owner of Smith & Sons Insurance Agency. And, uh, man, do I see you all over LinkedIn, first of all. And second of all, I can't wait to get to know you a little bit more. I know you a little bit because we've chatted a little bit. Um, but man, you're, you're doing big things out West and I can't wait to see if we can uh, change some young agents life today. So first off, Ryan, appreciate your time and energy and, uh, thanks for joining the show today. Yeah. Appreciate it, Mitch. Happy to be here. I'm, uh, I have a cowboy hat, but I don't wear it off and only when I'm going to, you know, a, uh, turnpike troubadour show or turnpike something like that. Troubadour. We don't know what that's called here in central Indiana. What is it? What's a, what's a, what, tell me what that is. What's a turnpike troubadour show? The turnpike troubadours. Oh, it's, it's one of the greatest red dirt bands that you're going to find. They've been uh, on a hiatus for about three, four years, but they're back, man. Back and at it. Look them up. Now, let me ask you something real quick before we get going. I'm going to get a little personal because I, I don't usually get into the personal life too much, but tell me a little bit about your personal life, your personal self, you know, your family, things that, inter- you know, things that you do, um, you know, how, how long have you lived in the Oklahoma, Texas area? Kind of give us a background of uh, what, what's Ryan Smith's like, life like outside of uh, the insurance agency. Yeah, happy to. Well, born and raised in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is southwest corner of the state. Um, I I like to tell people I survived 19 years here. Um, People in Oklahoma have a certain feeling about Lawton. Um, To me, it wasn't all that bad, but a lot of times you'll find that town name on lists of like most dangerous cities to live or like to, to raise a family or something like that. So there's uh, quite a bit of pot- poverty in the area, and um, there's a military base just outside of town. So there's some characters around town, that's for sure. But um, anyway, moved to Oklahoma City, and that's where I went to college, University of Central Oklahoma. That's where I met my wife. We both got jobs there in the area, settled down, got plugged into a church, and um, got real heavily involved with a few a few couples, we created a small group and now, you know, same five couples have been meeting for seven years every Tuesday for tacos and Bible study. Awesome. And so now we all have, I think our group has more than doubled because we all have kids and they're grown up together. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, when I'm not at work, I'm either hanging out with my five-year-old son and my wife um, I'm playing handball or I'm doing some gardening, walking the dogs, um, or going hunting. I'm a, a bow hunter and 
the season just finished up and um, unsuccessful for me this year, but had some great encounters and spent a lot of great time in, in nature. Love doing stuff. Hey, like talk that. about handball. Uh, I think I know handball is a little bit more popular in the Midwest than, than I think a lot of people might know. Um, and I've seen it at our local gyms or, you know, family fun and fitnesses or wellness centers, whatever it is. But for those who don't know what handball is, you actually have a pretty close connection with the handball association. You're president of, of this handball association, correct? Tell us a little bit about that. How long have you been doing that and who, how'd that get interested? No. How'd that interest you to start? Yeah, my dad played. I'm not really sure how he got into it, but um, he introduced my brother and I, you know, back when I was probably 14, 15 years old. And I played in a couple tournaments in high school, you know, wasn't, wasn't any good. Couldn't even throw the ball with my, my left hand, my off hand. So it's an ambidextrous sport. You got to be able to use both hands. And uh, that's why I love it. It's such a challenge. You know, it's all about hand-eye coordination. So that's why it'll be real popular, like on an army base or air force bases. Um, It's hand-eye coordination and you're, you're having to move your body in such a way that, I don't know if you have an 18 inch extension on your arm by holding a racket, that seems like cheating <laughs> to me. So uh, handball is handball is what's up. It's, it's called the perfect sport because you have to have precision. You have to be thinking fast and move quick and anticipate the other players. So it's a great, great sport, not a president. Um, my, the guys I play with give me a hard time, but there was really no uh, official. Oh, I don't know official presence in Oklahoma for the United States Handball Association. Um, so I volunteered to be the chair. chair for that's Oklahoma. What it was. I knew I'd mess it. I knew I couldn't have that good of an introduction. I knew I had to mess it up somewhere. <laughs> no, the thing is I'm not that important. Really all it is, is I'm uh, just sending emails to local players and saying, you know, there's a tournament coming up here or, you know, some guys in this town want to get together and play. I've got a list of players in Oklahoma somewhere between 100, 150, but most of those are retired. You know, if you if you find people playing handball, there's a good chance that the majority of them are over 70 years old. Uh, it's not a, it's not real popular for young people, but um, truly for me, it can, I see the benefit or the potential benefit for baseball players and basketball players and soccer players, people that need that hand-eye coordination um, it's, it's a great sport. Like I already mentioned, it's ambidextrous. You got to be able to use your offhand and think about that in baseball or in basketball, you know, um, there's huge benefit there. So I know there are programs around the country where young, young people can, uh, learn about the sport and be introduced to it. And that can really help in, you know, in, in developing those skills for other sports. I think it's kind of crazy so, when you set up, you, you, uh, we're talking about this dude that's got an 18 inch extension. I think that same way in the game of baseball, when that six foot seven, six foot eight dude's on the mound, it's like, dude, when he steps, he's halfway to the daggone home plate. Of course, he's going to throw it 96 mile an hour. And then you got five foot 10 Mitch here who literally has to use every single muscle in his body to get it to home plate. I just, it's, it's so unfair. It's, it's unfair, but I think nothing's fair in this world. So we'll just have to bite the bullet and I'll be short the rest of my life. You seem like a tall, tall individual. Are you six foot, six, two, six, three? Yeah. Yeah, six one. I thought I, so. I'll I'll tell yeah. you what, Ryan Hanley. If you I don't know if you've met Ryan or seen Ryan yet. Ryan is the most like he looks so you know just an average six foot six one dude behind camera. But when I went to the Brain Share Conference uh, back in September in San Antonio, this dude's six five every every bit of six five. 
And he I was like, whoa, hold on. What's up with all these insurance guys behind a camera looking looking as tall as me? And then I see him and I'm looking at their chest. Like, it's it's not fair. It's not fair. Right. Like um, David Carruthers, James Jenkins. These guys are a lot taller than you might think. They, they are, are very right? tall. And that's that's a Bradley Flowers. I'll sell it right now. Bradley Flowers is as short as I thought he was. So that, <laughs> I'm at least OK with that. I'm at least OK with that. Now, risk management. Yeah, actually, in my first uh, conference with the big guy that I ever went to as a young agent, Ryan Hanley was like the keynote speaker there. And so I got to fanboy out a little bit, take a selfie with him and, you know, pull his ear for a while. But um, yeah, that's, that's the only one of these guys I've really met other than Jason. Sure. And he's just as short as I am too. So <laughs> he is, he is. Now you talked about, we we're talking about risk management, obviously. And, and with what, what you've done, you've been in this, you've been a fourth generation insurance agent. Um, you studied risk management and we were talking before we got on the show, you're, you're probably that smaller percentage of agents who actually went to school and studied risk management. I didn't I studied telecommunications, doing stuff like this on a podcast, on the radio, whatever it was. And then I had to learn insurance from somebody who's had to learn insurance. Has that been such a huge like help? Um, and and your, I guess your first couple starts, you know, your first couple of years of, of being an insurance agent, was that extremely beneficial? You know, knowing, Hey, I, I, I've learned how to mitigate risk for the last four years of my college career, or however long you went to school. Was that, did you find it beneficial? Did you find things you'd learned that um, you wish you, you know, you wish you would have learned earlier things in that nature. What can you give us some feedback on that for maybe someone who's looking to maybe study risk management? Sure. Yeah. It's hard to say, you know, because I, I don't have the experience of having not studied before I you know, got into insurance, but um, truthfully, most of the classes I took in, uh, in college, University of Central Oklahoma, um, there was an insurance and risk management program in the finance department in the college of business. Um, I went to UCO on a music scholarship. I was playing the cello, um, had a scholarship and it didn't take me long to figure out that I'm not nearly as good as I think I am and I'm not going to make a career out of this. So what do they got going on in the business school? Well, it turns out they got an insurance program. I figured family business, I could maybe make a run at that for my career. Um, it was, it was five or six classes, you know? Um, so maybe three of them were, uh, principles of insurance and risk management, life and health, and a little bit more of the, um, I think the, the third one was like commercial insurance. And then there were, you know, the risk assessment and treatment, risk control, risk financing. So those were the topics that were really interesting to me. The other ones, the principles, it was, um, I still joke with a, a classmate of mine, you know, it's like, I miss insurance jeopardy is what we would play every week. It's like, you're just learning terms and, you know, the lingo of the, of the industry. I probably learned more than I realized, but um, nowadays you can take those classes. And if you pass the course, then you qualify for a designation. Um, that wasn't the case in, in my situation, but um, I got an internship for my last semester of college uh, at AAA Insurance in the underwriting department. And that turned into a full-time job, associate underwriter. And that's when I realized that I have all the textbooks from the institutes that I could just take the same tests and earn a designation. So my first designation was an associate in risk management 
And again, it was the same topics, same, the same exact textbooks that I already had. So uh, I liked that. Like I, like I said, I liked the risk management aspect of it. That's why when a position opened up at an oil and gas company in the risk management department in Oklahoma City, I jumped at that. And it was a, a great opportunity for me um, getting to work with a risk manager. It was just she and I for this company. Uh, but oil and gas was a hard industry to be in at that time. I was there for three, four months before the first layoff at our company. And then I survived that. And over the next three years, there were four more layoffs and a bankruptcy. And so it was kind of a mess. Um, it was stressful. I had a, a kid, a newborn at home. So it was kind of like, maybe I'll find something more stable. Anyway, um, honestly, I didn't get to use much of that risk management knowledge or those theories that I learned in classes. Um, to be honest, I was the guy reading the policy, making sure that we got the same policy we were quoted, you know, just like your clients are doing now, right? Or you hope they are. Um, paying the bills, inputting, you know, data. Uh, that was kind of my job there. But I did get to sit in the meetings and find out how Aon and Lockton and Price Forbes and some of these huge global firms, how they operate and how they service clients. And so that was the, the main takeaway for me in my role at that company. Well, when the fourth layoff came around and again, I did not get laid off. You know, I, I was thinking there's people getting laid off that are doing good work sure. and I'm just entering data here. So maybe it's time for me to step away. So that's what I did. And you know, over the, the year or so before that, my dad and I uh, had talked about me starting at the agency. So I thought, I've got some good commercial insurance experience now. Um, I can come into the agency. My uncle's ready to retire. And so my dad bought out my uncle's share in the company, and I came in and started working on the commercial book of business that my uncle, his whole career was based on. Um, well, it wasn't too long before I realized I'm not going to be using my risk management, you know, risk financing uh, techniques and, and things that I've learned with all these minimum premium, you know, mom and pop shop restaurants and plumbers and things like that. So uh, the, the lessons there, they're still there and I'm still super interested in applying those. It's just that for the most part, I haven't been able to on the current book of business. Now, when it comes to uh, prospecting and kind of getting into this into this protege competition, that's what I'm real excited about is, is actually showing people, listen, you've got these things going on in your organization that uh, the systems can be changed in just a small, uh, minor way. And it's going to have big impact for you on, let's say, your workers comp, right? The small things you can do in your safety that translate into your experience mod coming down over a period of years, you're saving money in the long run. It's the total cost sure. of risk conversation. And so that's where I think that maybe some of that um, advantage, I guess you'd say, of, of having that degree comes into play is, you know, I, it didn't take me two or three years just to learn the lingo that maybe another sure. agent might've might taken them because like I said, I learned that in insurance jeopardy in class. I wish so. I would have had insurance jeopardy just for the hell of it. Cause I tell you what, that was probably the hardest thing 
you know, I can talk, I can sell, I can, you know, I can do that stuff. But what the hardest thing for me, because I wasn't a put my head in the book guy back in, you know, five years ago. I, you can't, I just, it wasn't me. It's not how I learned. Um, some of us learn differently, you know, but I wish, you know, the terms came quicker and easy. But I think at the end of the day, it's a process of everything. You just talked about, it. you've spent, you know, you spent your college years learning, all, doing all this, doing the Jeopardy, going through the risk management, the financial processes of stuff, the total cost of risk, like you said, knowing what total cost of risk meant would have been absolutely amazing for me to know when I first started insurance, but you don't. You don't know these things. Things change. They evolve over time. We see how things have changed in the last five years that I've seen in the or in the Asian or in the industry. Things are going to continue to change. Um, so I think that's you know, when you say that it, the biggest thing is for these young agents. And if you're listening to this, it's okay to adjust. I wouldn't say make a full flip change. Adjust like Ryan. Ryan's done what he's needed to do, but now it's time for Ryan to adjust. Ryan wants bigger, better things. He's going to use. He's going to use the you know, the degree and the, you know, the concepts of learning that he did back in college at the University of Central Oklahoma, he's about to put them in use in real time now. Um, so it's taken however, how many years that was, I'm not going to ask, but, you know, it's now gone to the point where, oh, this stuff I learned back five, six, seven years ago is now coming into play where it's going to help me out at a, you know, massive rate. It's continuing education. And I think it's important that when you are doing continuing education, that you're identifying what key factors is going to help you out in your business, not just taking the not just taking the CE classes to get you 24 credits, you know, and and get out. No, identify what those what the criteria and what that specific you know topic you want to learn about or something you want to grow in 2022, 2023. What is it that I can do to help myself? Um, because at the end of the day, it's the, you are by yourself. I mean, us as insurance agents, we're individual. I mean, we're we're, we're called independent insurance agents for a reason, you know. So. You need to, you know, you're, you're in control of your own knowledge. How are you going to, how are you going to educate yourself to make yourself a better insurance agent where you can help other people in your community, in your town, and then eventually be able to help other insurance agents. And that's what you, that's what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're, you're at that point where like, I'm ready for growth. You know, I want, I'm going to get involved in the protege because that's, that's going to give me a pretty good lead step of my career path for the rest of my, you know, rest of my career uh, in the insurance industry. So what was it that clicked and what, what kind of, you know, lit a fire underneath your ass and for better terms that I want to get into the protege, um, you know, and not necessarily the competition aspect of it, but, you know, the, the, the whole fact of I get to learn, learn with some of the best coaches and best mentors in our industry. When was that? For, what, what kind of clicked for you says, I'm going to try this out and get, and get into it. Yeah. I'll get there. The, uh, the thing that I would say about everything you said, you know, is I spent all this time in, in college, not really caring too much about the grades I made as long as I sure. graduate. But now that I'm, you know, an agent and our agency has been a part of our, you know, the Oklahoma big eye for years and years and years, way before I was born. And that's been probably the biggest help for me is just the networking and finding mentors in that group, getting involved at that level, you know, and, and they're not necessarily just sure. agents, it's company representatives, sure. underwriters, uh, premium finance, uh, representatives. These are these are people that are have really shaped my career way more than just a degree in insurance or risk management. It's it's those connections, and uh, again through that, getting plugged into CIC courses and uh, man, those are those are tough courses. You know that insurance jeopardy <laughs> stuff. Nothing. That was trial. <laughs> yeah. No CIC that that's where you go to learn about insurance, the nitty gritty. So. Um, but then going along with that, 
is there's so much information that's made available to agents and I have gained so much value. Say that again. Say that again for the people in the back, Ryan, because I don't think people understand and know that enough. Say it that blows time. my mind that people don't realize how much information and value can be gained from just listening to podcasts. You know, all these industry podcasts, I guess I'm lucky in a sense. I have an hour and a half commute to get from my home to where I'm sitting right now. The agency is in Southwest corner of the state. I live in Oklahoma city. I'm not going to raise my family where the agency is. At least that doesn't make sense for me right now. So it didn't take too long for me to find out there are these insurance podcasts and thought leaders and real agents that are discussing these things that I can learn from. And so that started with Hanley and then I got introduced to Cass and then here comes David Carruthers and, you know, I'm like, whoa, now wait a minute, who is this guy? Hold on and a so I actually, um, I did a call with David. It was probably early 2020 to find out about killing commercial and, I was blown away. And I'm like, yes, middle market. That's what I want my career to be focused around. And I can figure out how to deal with uh, the smaller accounts that we've got on the book and, and help those because we've got clients in our book of business that have been clients for decades, way longer than you know I've been around. And so there's value there as well. But the career that I see for myself, the vision I have is helping people with risk assessment and treatment in their businesses. And so with that value comes higher premiums, higher revenue. And so it completely shifted my vision and I guess the, the approach that I want to take to it. But there's, there's no way that I could have um, justified getting into killing commercial at the stage I'm at. And so that's kind of how David came up with the protege. And so I was, I was watching every episode. I was um, taking notes. I was, um, I was real into season one and I kept kicking myself for not entering in the competition last year. So when word came out that there's going to be season two, get your videos in, it started, uh, it started making sense for me. Okay. This is how I'm going to get, it's how I'm going to stand out so that David sees me. So I don't know if you've had the chance to watch all the submission videos. I enjoyed watching <laughs> all of them. Like Sean Carvey's cracked me up. Man. This is hysterical. Oh, man. So good. <laughs> Yours is pretty daggone good too. I'm like, Dang, what's he going to have next? What's this next scene going to be like? What's You Ridiculous. did a phenomenal job, by the way. I, that's what I was. I know a lot of people have been, I know since it was kind of a, it was an odd way for me to be a part of it. But for those out there that have been pissed off or ticked that I didn't have to put a submission video in, don't worry. I still have to do it. It's happening. I'm, I'm, I have to have it done. I have to have it finished editing and put over, bring it over to the Dropbox by tomorrow. So I have done. I, I'm in the middle of finishing it. So don't worry, people. I'm not just getting a free ticket into this <laughs> thing. So I've, I've, I'm still going to have to do everything you guys are. I just had to yeah, add yeah. interrupt I'm, there. I'm looking forward to watching that. The uh there, 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 there were some pretty good ones, man. And, and what I love about the whole thing is it teaches you to just, it teaches you to open up and be, be yourself. And that's kind of the whole point. I, I, from what I'm getting from it so far is that's the whole point. You know, we are, we're all scared to do that one next thing, or we're, we're nervous. Should we take this step? I'm nervous because I'm afraid what people are going to say when I explain this or you know, whatever that is that he's teaching us and he's teaching people how to 
take that leap, jump off the edge and try something new and try something different. Um, and, and that's, that's why I think this show is going to be so much, so beneficial to myself because I have been that little, you know, chicken shitter, that sissy that hasn't wanted to go after that $250,000 account. Cause the lack of, Oh, I feel like I'm not knowledgeable enough to go impress that guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the different types of agents that are part of this are cool because not only are we going to learn from our, you know, coaches, we're going to learn from the peers that are yeah. part of this program. I mean, I'm going to learn crap from you that you're going to learn, you know, different things right. that you're going to learn from me and Sean and this and that. That's that's the that's the fun thing about this about this industry is everyone wants to help. We're all here to help one another. We're not. Yeah, we're competitors, but we're not. I mean, you take take what you you know take learn from stuff, but take it take it and go and put it to action. And that's the lack of the knowledge or the lack of you know, people who don't make it in this industry is they're afraid, afraid that to ask for help. They're afraid to watch a podcast. They're afraid to listen to a podcast because they feel like all the thing that matters to them is I got to get in the office right premium. I mean, yeah, in a sense, that's what you've got to do. But one thing that you said a few minutes ago before you went down the, before we started talking about um, everybody's, you know, videos for the, for the protege, the intro videos. What I liked when you said I was going to go, I want to go after middle market. You didn't jump straight to because some people might, some people that are listening to the show don't know what middle market means. Can we say middle market two hundred fifty thousand in premium or more? Okay, so we're six, six six figure premiums, massive massive premium. So when we're going, we're talking about you know middle market big time numbers. The first thing you said wasn't about premium of why this interests you. You said something that added value to that customer. This is why I want to do this because it helps add value. Um, I forget exactly the three things that you that you went into, but you had an answer of why this was exciting to you, not, not the money. And it goes back to, I think a couple episodes ago, Derek Hayden, another, the protege winner, Derek Hayden said, it goes, once I got out of the, once I got to the part of understanding, I've got to have a strong value proposition. And if my value is strong, if my proposition is strong, I'm going to win. Cause we can all talk, we can all sell, we can all make relationships, we can all network. But what the hardest part for some people is understanding that insurance isn't just a transaction. Insurance is a relationship with that customer. How can you help that customer by adding it by adding value to them? That's going to help build relationships. Going to get you the insurance, probably going to get you the insurance policy, um, and it's going to end up paying you out pretty well. That's that's what you want, right? That's that's what we're all about. Um, you know, I, I, probably because of how how old your agency is. You guess we're in nineteen twenty three. Is that what you said? Started in nineteen twenty three. I mean, this isn't probably the it was probably great, you know, just engraved into your head that, hey, insurance is all about helping and adding value to other people. This is what we're about. This is what we're doing. This is how we can do or this is this is this is how we've been doing it. Now let's go out and do it at a bigger scale. Is that kind of where your mind's at? I think so. I mean, I was never pressured or really even asked to like pursue insurance. Now, maybe if I'd stumbled through college or flunked out or something like that, then, it would have been like, okay, you need to come work at the agency so you can start building the resume or something like that. But um, no, it was, it was a decision I made. Like I can see how my personality type and the way I want to make a career, I can see how the insurance agency could be the way to do that. And yeah, it's helping people and helping businesses, the people within those businesses to improve their operations, to um, to fix a system or to make things more safe and 
ultimately what we do could save someone's life, right? You can, you can address uh, a situation at someone's organization, say in a manufacturing plant or something like this, where you ask them one question about, well, why is it being done that way? Doesn't that seem a little sketchy to you or, you know, and that they might say, yeah, you're right. And then that could have a huge impact not just for their business, but for their employees and for that employee's family. And so there's so much more than just the insurance. And that that's that's something that I've struggled with in this industry is like insurance is reactive and uh, people don't like insurance because of that. They, they just see it as I'm paying for this stack of paperwork. It's not going to do me any good unless something terrible happens. Well, yes, but you can use that as guardrails for your organization. And so that's why the education piece of it is so important to know what's in the policy language, what's covered, what's excluded, what does the company need to do because of that. And so that's that's how figuring that out is kind of like a puzzle and it can be pretty fun that way. What's going on, loyal listeners? It's Mitch Gibson with the MVP Podcast, stopping you in the action of the podcast. Promise you that this will only take a second. Are you a local independent insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Well, look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and do what we're here to do grow your business. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. Let them know that the folks at the Agency Intelligence Podcast Network sent you. So uh, this, this, this whole, this whole protege thing, has you know it's it's probably one a breath of fresh air, um, but two it's probably you know sub for me I love a challenge I love a good old challenge that that's probably one of my favorite things I'm the most competitive human being you'll probably ever meet no matter what sport we're playing I'd go play handball like I was Ryan Smith knowing what handball is just because I love a good competition um, which I'd probably get my butt kicked but we're, we're gonna we're gonna make it happen now we've got to it's it I don't ask me to play the cello because I will break the strings. <laughs> <laughs> I'll break the style, break the strings of the cello. What kind of things are you do with Big Eye? You're involved with Big Eye a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm um, the current vice chair for the young agents for the Big Eye of Oklahoma. So, perfect. Come June or July, I'll be the chair. And I've been involved with them since uh, March or April of 2020. So, my, I think we had one meeting and it was like, oh, let's not meet again for another eight months or something like that, you know, except virtually. So the Young Agents has been a really fun group. Uh, just the connections that I've made, not just within the committee, but uh, people that are involved and they show up to the, the lunch networking events and things like that and the conferences. That's been so fun. And that's been the way that I've been able to meet people like Hanley sure, and Cass. And I think that there's a bit of an issue that people might have with groups like that because young talent is so hard to find right now. And so they're afraid of sending their people to these events because 
recruit. somebody else recruits them, you know, that whole thing. For me, I, I don't have to worry about that because I know that I want to stay in the family business and, and stay with that. But I can see why that's a concern for other agency owners. But I think the benefit of being plugged in with those groups and, and finding mentors through those associations, I think it far outweighs the risk of losing someone. Um, and, you know, don't you think that that's part of why they would leave you is because you wouldn't allow them to get involved in the first place, right? I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was never, I never got involved in the, you know, PIA young agents committees or, you know, I, I probably should have, I wish I would have, but, you know, as we still cast this the other day, you know, and, and everybody, there's a thousand ways to get a cat. Everybody, everybody's agency is different. Yours is different than ours. Mine's different than Johnny's. Mine's different than Sean's, whatever it might be. But you learn so much as a young agent of the do's and the don'ts. So, you know, the things I try to think about is what things would I do differently or what things would I keep the same when my time comes to be the, you know, a full-blown agency owner of the agency. What is one thing that you see in those big eye young agents, you know, groups or, you know, young agents in general, what's one thing that you see that is commonly lacked? Is there, is it the lack of knowledge? Is it the, you know, I don't know anything about insurance. I'm just getting, just going to see what it is. Do you notice any, any, you know, consistent things that young agents, you know, are lacking maybe different than how agents were five, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe. I don't know that I could speak too well to that. Just, you know, having been involved only for sure. about three, four years now, but I think something that something that's really missing is the education piece and getting young people interested in insurance. And uh, there's a program that the big eye has called invest. And it's a program that high schools and, and Votex and, you know, I suppose colleges as well, but uh, getting young people to learn about insurance, not just as a topic, but as a career and how there are so many different spots or positions within the industry that you might not be in sales, you might be a marketing mind. And there's so much use for people like that and talent like that. But the, there's a lot of disconnect there between high school students and the insurance industry. It's like, are you kidding me? Why in the world would I go sit behind a desk and a stack of paperwork all day? Uh, but like we've been talking about, it could be so much more interesting than that. And so I think the industry has a, a PR problem when it comes to that, right? We're, we're talking with Flo and a gecko and, you know, Jake and, <laughs> All this, but no, 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 don't forget about Chris Paul and don't forget about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, those guys too. Yeah, so I, I think that's part of the problem. As I've been involved on in the Young Agents Committee, we've had, I think there's eight to 10 of us that sit on the committee. And in the past two years, we've seen so much change in just those eight, eight people. It's like a two or three year term. And you know, we've switched so many people because they're getting out of the industry or they're going to this company or they're moving out of state or, and so it's, it just happens, you know, and that's okay, but it's getting harder and harder to fill those spots. One thing that the big eye of Oklahoma has is a, a program called Philo future insurance leaders of Oklahoma. And it's for young people that are somewhat new to the industry they get into this program where they hear from underwriters and claims and loss control exactly what those processes are like. And then there's another session 
for um, you know dealing with the marketing and sales aspect, and another for leadership, and another for a service project. And it's kind of this program that's pretty unique to our state that um, gets young people together from different agencies, from different companies, um, and they can bounce ideas off one another and hear from people that have been in the industry for years and years. Um, anyway, it's a way to develop these, these younger agents and uh, underwriters. And so they're a little bit more invested and want to continue those relationships and continue on an in insurance. And for the young agents committee, you have to have completed that philo class in order to serve on the committee. So that's kind of a way for us to get people in and connected. Uh, that's, that's pretty fun. I think it's a, it's a good program. I think that's a genius program because what, what kind of made me, my, my eyes light up was when you were talking, when you were talking about how, you know, there's other parts of this industry that are so unseen, the underwriting, the marketing, the field rep. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I, if I would have known how, I'm too invested in my career now to to jump off and go that route, but I would have loved to learn about in high school or in college, what else comes within the insurance industry. Yeah. The agents, the agent is the, the, the guy that everybody looks at, right? That's the agents, the, the, I guess the superhero when it comes to either saving money or he's the villain when you screw him over or his premium goes up $300 for the year, you, you're both sides of it. Right. But what I would have loved to know is what types of other jobs inside the industry can I, you know, that would interest me. I mean, there's yeah. tons now. I mean, heck, right. being a field being a field rep, going around buying everybody a bunch of beers, going to lunch, and you know, shaking hands and kissing babies with your agents, phew, that's awesome. Sweet I mean, that day. is that is fun, right? I'm mean, being an underwriter. You get to underwrite. Why, why should this agent, why, why should I write this piece of business for this agent? You know, what, what makes this piece of business good? What makes this piece of business scary for us? Not, it's not our appetite. Here's why. One thing I, that probably helped me out the most, and you might be able to, you know, I guess, agree with me is how important it was for me to develop a good relationship with my underwriter. I mean, super, super important because your underwriter, young agents, your underwriter is going to be the one who's is the, the one that says yes or no. I mean that you have to sell the underwriter just as much as you have to sell the policy to the to the, to the customer. The underwriter is there for one reason, so he doesn't help, so he doesn't lose money for the insurance carrier. That that's primarily what they're there for. So if you go bring a risk to your underwriter, and the underwriter is like, man, now they're a PC nine woodworking shop, and and then you go back and cuss them out, and you get mad at them because they're not wanting to write the business with you. Well, first off, did you just hear why she said she doesn't want to write that piece of business? You know, that, that's the difference between understanding the, the education piece. That's understanding why this is not a good risk, understanding why it's not. I probably wouldn't have sent it to that carrier knowing that that carrier is going to immediately say no. It's a woodworking shop in a PC9 with the nearest water source 10 miles away. Not good. Not good, yeah. right? Things like that are, that's interesting to me. I didn't know something like that was even a thing. Right. Um, claims. I mean, a claim is the reason why I got into this industry because I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I got in an accident. No clue what I was doing, but it wasn't like Jake from State Farm like I thought it was. And that's when it opened my eyes up to, oh, this industry is pretty daggone cool. Let me give it. Let me give it a shot. Then you meet all these great people who are masterminds who are you know changing the industry. They're changing the industry as the industry is changing, and you learn from those guys. The next thing you know, it you're like, wow, this place is this place is pretty cool. This industry is fun. I think it is the biggest and most hidden secret 
in the business in, in any yeah. business. It is a very, very hidden gem that I wish more people would get involved in. Um, but they're scared because of how we are, you know, we're, we're how we are perceived on television. The Geico, the Gecko, the Flow, Jake from State Farm. Those guys right there are the reason why it makes us makes other people kind of scared from this kind of scared from this industry. And I don't, I don't like that very well. I don't know about you. It's the greatest industry God ever invented, right? I, I, I'll good. say yes. I will agree. You're talking an yeah. insurance nerd too, but I get it. I'm in. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. No, I, I think that there is a, there's way more opportunity for young people in the industry. That being said, there's a lot of changes going on. And that's kind of why I, I'm more focused on going after larger accounts is because I think that's where the agent, the independent agent in 10, 15 years or more or less, who knows, that's where you're going to be valuable is being able to work with people on larger accounts. The smaller accounts are going to be automated. They're going to be, you know, in, in not call centers. Do call centers even exist? I can't get anyone on the phone anymore, but, you know, there there's so much misconception about where what your life might be like if you get into insurance. And so uh, programs like Invest that I mentioned, or I know the big eye of North Carolina has a really interesting development or educational program for, I think, high school students, college students, even uh, people that are not students. Sure. Not students, but they're wanting to get in the industry and, and you can get licensed through that. I'd love to learn more about that. But um, And then there's a group. So at universities that have an insurance and risk management department or degree, uh, a lot of those are a part of a, a club or a fraternity called Gamma Iota Sigma. And so that's kind of, I went to a conference through that group and that's where my decision to go into insurance was solidified is this underwriter was presenting and he, he kind of explained how you can be in any industry you want and be a specialist and spend all your time thinking about and, and focusing on this industry. You are in the, I don't know, furniture manufacturing industry, but actually you're a specialist in insurance. And so, you know, you can, when you tell people, right, when you go to a party and people ask you like, what do you do? Do you just say, oh, I'm in insurance and then walk, you know, they walk away, right? You just watch them walk away. Or do you find a different way to talk about it's that? Still, I still today, I still to this day, someone asked me, I, I literally think, oh, should I tell them, what should I say? Should I say this or should I say that? But you're right. Like, what do you say? Like, what's the best way to put this to where it doesn't sound so blah? Yep. And it is. It sounds blah. It sounds so bad. And then well, you say, well, I'm a risk advisor. Blood. I'm a risk advisor. What the hell is a risk advisor? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. true. What do you call yourself? So like on your bottom of your signature, I've had this conversation a lot. On When you are typing out an email and you get your signature on the bottom, where your title is, what do you what do you put by that? What should someone put? That's a good question. Um, I think right now it says like business insurance broker. Okay. Um, it's been a few different things before, but sure. Uh, 
I like the sound of risk advisor, but um, but then again, it's who in the heck knows what the what a risk advisor means, right? Yeah, right. And you say insurance agent, the instant thought is Jake from State Farm, um, mitigation specialist. <laughs> Some people don't know what the yeah, heck mitigation means. I mean, sure. you should. Same thing on your LinkedIn uh, profile, the deal under your name. Like, what do you put there? I heard Jeb Blunt. Do you know that name? I do. Yeah. He's, he's got a podcast. I heard him talking about that. Like if a salesperson is contacting me, I want to know exactly what they do. I don't want to be confused by, you know, their profile. Well, what does catalyst for this, this, this mean? Like, no, you're a business insurance broker. Okay. I know exactly what you do. So that's kind of why I, that's where I'm at now with it anyway. No, I, I kind of like that. And I think it could bring in lead in. I'm going to start asking that question. I think as part of my part of the part of the show, because I really want to know how, what, how other insurance agents are thinking in that that's that's that case. Because if you're sending whether it's a vid, you know, you're sending a video of you know through Vidyard or Loom, whatever it might be, to try to get the you know the prospect's attention. Hey, this video is for you. Yada yada yada. You know, do they? How much time do they spend going? to the bottom of that? Are they going to click on that video and then look at your name and say, oh, I know what this guy does at this point in time? Are they going to have to go click a button to research who you are? I was always told if someone has to click a button to find out who you are when you're introducing yourself in a video or in an email, you didn't tell them enough. So I think that might be, you know, might be something for people to dive deeper in and ask themselves, you know, if I was to read this or hell, even send it to five people that have nothing to do with insurance. Say, hey, I want to try, I want to try something. I just want to get your opinion. Can you please give me some feedback? Run a little, run a little field study on it and see what people really think. You know, try it, try it in three different ways and see which one someone understood the best way. Because I think that can really, really make a difference. And when you're putting together your marketing strategy for the year or you're, you know, planning out, you know, if I've got them going after these big middle market prospects, what's the best way for them to find out who I am the quickest and easiest way. So they're not having to read articles and articles and articles and articles. My LinkedIn would be the worst thing for me to send somebody who I'm trying to sell insurance to, because there's nothing, nothing but insurance stuff about agents, producers. That's I use that to connect with other agents. That's my big way of using that. And I don't think many agents understand and identify, Hey, if I'm gonna have a LinkedIn profile and I learned this from Charles Speck, Charles Speck's absolutely genius. If you haven't listened to Charles Speck, go find him on the network here on the Agency Intelligence Network and listen to his show. That dude knows how to market on LinkedIn. And when he, you know, he just, he opens your mind up to so many creative things that you're like, man, well, that makes total sense. I've got a post about baseball. I've got a post about, um, you know, the Indianapolis Colts sucking and not making it to the playoffs. I got a, I got a post in there about, you know, the new agents producer school that I went to. You're not telling LinkedIn what you do. LinkedIn saying, who the heck's this guy? How am I supposed to get his his content in front of his audience? Because there's no audience there. Yep. So uh, helping your audience understand what you do is a key, key factor in, in, in your sales process. Um, you know, do, do you, because I've had this a lot from young agents too, and I want to get your feedback on this. I don't know how long you've been doing, you know, content or any type of digital digital media stuff, you know, on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is. But since you started doing that, have you noticed a nice return on investment as far as whether that's one, your network growing or two, you've been able to get some accounts from it? Have you, you know, have you noticed a big, I guess, step from when you decided to do content compared to where you weren't? Or have you been doing content your whole this whole time? I have not uh, been doing content this whole time. And no, I haven't seen any accounts come in because of it yet. Um, 
last year after Brainshare, um, where Marcus Sheridan was the presenter, I wasn't there, but genius uh, mentioned afterwards. And there was a group that started that uh, we kind of were challenging each other to put out videos as regularly as we wanted, but for like a two month period. And so I jumped on that and I think I, I added, I don't know, 30 or 40 videos to our agency YouTube in that two months. And um, really that just helped me to get comfortable. I knew don't, nobody was going to watch it. I mean, unless I send it to somebody, nobody's going to stumble upon it and that's fine. I don't really care. Uh, what I'm doing it for is to get familiar with it. I guess to help the algorithm and, you know, to, so Google sees that there's some activity there and I'm trying to be um, someone that's presenting ideas and, and lessons, educational anyway. Uh, but as far as LinkedIn goes, um, I don't know. I, I don't find a lot of my little videos to be super focused on insurance. That's something that I've been thinking a lot about the past few weeks. Um, you mentioned Charles Specht. He's released a couple LinkedIn profile uh, podcasts here within the last month or so in December or January that were just gold. And then of course that presentation we uh, sat in on, but um, he made me change the way I think about that. Like who am I using? Same. He literally blew my mind. Yeah. Is this just a network with other insurance people? Well, okay. That maybe that's all right. But if I want to use this to connect with, professionals that are prospects or could be, uh, then I got to change the way I'm, I'm posting and the topics and some of the stuff I'm putting out there. So that's kind of where I'm at now is trying to transition less from the um, messages that are just general topics, you know, just stuff to feel good about, or, you know, I thought I had and focusing more on like, here's a problem I see for my prospect. Here's my idea on how that can be addressed. Um, and so, I don't know, that's where I'm at now with, with LinkedIn. Yeah. And, and when you said, when you said, when I scroll through LinkedIn, all I see is, you know, other insurance, other insurance agents posting and stuff. And the reason why, and I'm the same boat, the reason why Ryan and I's LinkedIn feed is just full of that. And you other agents out there who listen to this, who may not be you know, involved with LinkedIn, or maybe you're going through your LinkedIn, LinkedIn thread and see, man, how the heck are these guys seeing all these podcasts? How are he seeing David Crothers post this stuff? Cause it only took one or two people that probably that then you identified, Oh, this guy's something else. And then as you start interacting with that guy, another insurance guy, you start, that's when LinkedIn's like, Oh, this guy wants to learn more about insurance. Your, right. your thread is going to be flooded with insurance content. Yep. So if you're young, understand that's probably the reason why some of this stuff has never came about to your, to your mind or to your feed before. It wasn't for me. I mean, when I first, I think if I go back four years, five years, I look at my LinkedIn feed, my LinkedIn feed said it was about two or three different things. And it was about my, it was about people that I went to school with my professors, you know, dream jobs, people that I was following, you know, all these big name book writers that had nothing to do with insurance. Those are the people I was interacting with because I was just was trying to meet as many people as I could. Well, let alone did I not know that I probably should have been interacting on the insurance side a little bit more because that would have helped my education a little bit quicker. And, and I probably would have learned more stuff. I wish I would learn this stuff back when it first started. I don't know about you. I really do wish there was something like this back five years ago. And 
unfortunately, that's just how this world works, man. The people yeah. as, as this 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 industry is growing in a good way. We need more young agents because, you know, as as these old male pale and stale agencies start going left and right, bye bye. You know, that's got, that's that's less competition. But I don't like that right. because that means the industry is not going in the right place. And I know Ryan and myself would be happy to discuss and talk to you guys about any 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 of this stuff. Ryan's a wealth of knowledge, obviously. If you can't tell, but would- go ahead. That's that's far too kind. The um, the thing I would say about LinkedIn and what you're saying, you know, is don't hear me complaining about what I see on LinkedIn because I've definitely made some beneficial connections and I've had some interactions with um, company reps and actually just got signed on with a work comp company last week. That's really going to help in the protege competition is because of, uh, of their appetite and some of the tools and tech that they have. So that came from LinkedIn. They saw me at LinkedIn. I think maybe I met somebody at a conference, but they, they're seeing me active on LinkedIn. And so they reached out and we, we got hooked up that way. But um, the, one of the lessons I took from Charles Specht in, in that presentation was that there's three ways to use content on LinkedIn. You're either a curator, a creator, or a communicator. And so those are kind of the ways go listen to this podcast to learn more about that. But sure. Um, someone I see doing a great job of that is Micah Salas. Okay. I've not met before. If you um, he's an agent in Houston, maybe the Houston area. Not sure, but you will see his videos that at the top, you can tell this is going to his prospects and every once in a while, you'll see him comment on one of his prospects and say, you know, just two words, great job or awesome video or this or that. And so that's kind of what Charles is talking about there is you're, you're communicating, you're letting that prospect know that you're there and you're building that familiarity. So maybe in the future, when they do have an insurance question that come up, they say, I know Mitch, he's been following us. He knows our situation. So let me reach out to him. And, so. and, and the bet what, what Ryan, the back end of this, I'm going to ask you this question. You probably remember, obviously, but the reason why those three, the curate creation, the creator, your curator, or your communicator, the reason why those three C's are so important, because that's what makes up the algorithm of LinkedIn. So the more Ryan likes the prospects post, the more Ryan like or uh, comments on them. Hey, great job. The more Ryan um, connects with people that that person's connected with, the more that your face and your post and your comments are going to pop up on that prospects thread, which is genius. It's so, it sounds so stupid and small, but we don't understand that. We don't, we don't pick it at a small, you know, fine tooth comb to find out why those three words are important. Charles Speck does because Charles Speck has done this at a high level. What's tra- what was Charles Speck, an insurance agent? What's he doing? Giving you a playbook for free, learn it, do it and go do it. And that's, that's the biggest thing too, Ryan, is the amount of people that ask for advice or will reach out and say, Hey, can I spend 15 minutes? Or, you know, I've did the same thing. I've asked, I've spent 15 minutes with all these big, bigger name guys, because I want to learn how they're doing it. If I want to be one of the best, if I want to be up on the top of those guys, you got to learn from the top guys. You got to surround yourself around those people and they're there to help. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And then when they do give you the help, react to it. Cause if you ask, if you call them back or reach back out at two years later and say, Hey, I want to spend 15 minutes. And David Crothers ask how the middle market's going from the hour and 25 minutes or two hours he spent with you over the last three years. And you said, eh, I'm just still writing home on auto insurance. I'm, you know, you think, do you think David Crothers is going to spend any more time with you? Yeah. I, I don't know. He's a very generous guy, but um, he's got a lot going on. 
but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just that fact of, Hey, I want help. You give someone help so much. And then they, they don't go do it. Exactly. What's this guy really wanting out of me? But he's just wanting something. He's wanting right. something from me at this point in time. Um, but Ryan, real quick, um, I'm going to go into my five rapid fire questions, but before then, uh, for the protege, not like we're going to be I'm not trying to get anything out of you, but, uh, out of your three, out of your three, uh, I'll share one with you too. I don't care. Out of your three niches that you've selected, what's, what's one that's kind of most exciting for you, um, of a class of business that you want to go after in the middle market? Yeah. So I, you know, kept it pretty broad. We'll see, uh, what the feedback on that is from David, but, um, Oklahoma has really been growing steadily in new home construction, residential new construction. And so that's something that I'm really focused on. But within that, you know, that's that's really broad. Sure. Within that, though, um, something I mentioned earlier that I'm pretty passionate about is landscaping and gardening. And I love spending time outside and I'm super interested in process, not on any sort of like uh, farm level. Sure. I just got a little hobby, uh, raised beds, you know. But um, that's something I'm interested in going after is like learning how to talk that specific lingo or, or address those needs in that specific way. And so finding out exactly how I can be a resource for that type of client, that's what I'm really excited about with this process. Is there a YouTube page coming for landscapers? <laughs> We'll see. We'll there you, see hey, that. there you go. I'm telling you, get out yeah. there and start show. I, I just think when I think when I when that when you said that, and I'm, I'm not like out there. Just this just came to my mind, so I've got to say it. It's ADHD. But when you said that, I'm like, man, some of these. What do these landscapers do usually? And I only because I have a few of them. Is they always they're looking up what what type of products are out there? What's the new you know way to edge a flower bed or new way to edge this landscaping bed? Um, you know whatever it might be. So that, that right there could be a genius, not necessarily a podcast, but say I'm sitting here with the rep for blah, 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 blah. Tell homeowners, homeowners why it's so important to have good street appeal or something like that. Um, Because some homeowners, when you go back, say the landscaping, you go back to that, you know, custom home builder say, Hey, look at this. This is, this is some cool feedback I've been getting from my landscapers. You know, it'd be cool if I could share it with your 4,000 home builders that are your 4,000 customers that are out there. I don't know. That's just, that's, that didn't come easy though, guys. That That's something that I've learned from other people throughout the time. You, your creativity of boom, idea just popped in my head. It doesn't just happen. It comes with, you know, collaborating with other people. It comes with conversation that you're having with people. That right there is awesome. That That's freaking cool. I like, I like that idea. It makes me want to go out and start learning how to be Mr. Johnny landscaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you can, you can have good ideas and even tell other people about them, but if you're not going to do the work, then what good is it? That's what I did. There it is. It got you back right back into that that concept of if someone's going to help you or say some stuff, do it or don't do it. If it's not fit yep. for you, tell them, hey, I don't think this is going to work. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's just the communication part of it. Got to go into my five rapid fire questions. Ah, all right. I'll give you one of mine. I'll give you one of mine. Um, I'm real interested. Obviously, I said I was a telecommunications major in college. So that's radio and television is what I liked to do. Um I guess it kind, of, it kind of has nothing to do with what I'm, what a niche that I'm going after because I'm going to go after telecommunications and cell tower, uh, general contractors and service providers. Uh, the only reason that is is because I've I was lucky enough to have a referral back when I first started. It's actually my first commercial lines account, uh, and I 
first question you asked, well, give me a little bit of background. What do you guys do? And he for immediately said, well, you know, we, we do anything from climbing 300 feet up in the air to change a battery on a, you know, an antenna um, from erecting a, a cell tower from the ground up to, you know, climbing up 20 feet just to change a little nut or bolt that's in that antenna. I go, anything from climbing 300 feet up in, the, in an air? Are you kidding me? So that to me, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But the fun thing about it, and I said it first at, you know, at the beginning of this episode, I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big diver into, hey, I want to read this whole entire you know, section of this commercial insurance book and learn how to know what cell tower servicing companies do. I wouldn't have done that. But then once it was interesting to me, you start diving into it and finding out that there's not really a market, not many markets for people that are in that industry. Um, I luckily was able to find somebody in, uh, in Georgia who that's all they do. They're their biggest, they're the biggest compliance insurance carrier who are, you know, who work directly with the customer to help make sure that their certificates of insurance are compliant enough to where they can go get contracts from these tower owners. T-Mobile, um, Crown Castle, AT&T. If you go to an AT&T attorney, I guarantee you that that criteria of language and forms is extremely so in-depth that you think, oh, we can get, we can write that. Absolutely. Well, guess what? That company might write it, but I guarantee you that company's language is not going to be compliant enough for them to step foot and do work on that tower. A $20 million umbrella, like stuff like that. Like, it's because that's what that attorney says. And are you going to tell that you're going to go fight that attorney and tell him that right. this, I don't know. You're not going to tell me to have a $20 million umbrella. So that was interesting to me. So I thought, you know, with, with not many, you know, carriers out there that are compliant for these uh, general contractors, I thought that was a, uh, it's going to be a little harder, but I like a challenge. Uh, I thought that might be a niche I wanted to try to go after. So there you go. I spilled the beans. Right. Had to, had to. You got to, uh, any, any targets on your back or any targets that you've got looking for uh, any competition, any of the competition, the protege that you're uh, like, okay, he's going down other than me. <laughs> we going to tag uh, team and do, take Sean out. There is some, some real competition out there for sure. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how, how things play out for, from all the teams. I mean, there's some excellent coaches, the contestants are are all top notch. I I'm not going to name anybody, but uh, yeah, there's there's a few that I'm like, okay, this this young man or woman has some real potential to win this thing, and so I'm in it to win it, though, man. Watch oh, out! You're in it to win it, and one of my mentors has got your back, so that's cool. I'm thrilled <laughs> thrilled to hear that news the other day. He's casually, like, oh yeah, Ryan's my guy. Ryan's my guy. I'm like, well, I guess that's what I get for not putting in putting it in until last minute. So <laughs> you you got him. You got him. There's there's lots of people out there ready to help. Let's go ahead so and fast five. Cass. What'd you say? I so appreciate Cass. He he was uh, speaking at the Oklahoma Young Agents Conference, um, October September October uh, last year, and the night before, I basically just kept everyone away and was asking them questions about like. I'm going to submit to be on the protege. I need your help, you know? And so he really, he really helped me out a ton with that. So definitely. I'm glad, glad to hear that. Glad, glad you guys made a connection. Cause he's, he's one of the most loving individuals I've ever met. So glad, glad you guys made that connection and he'll, uh, he'll be a great asset. So keep, keep that connection up, my man. Let's go into my five rapid fire questions. These are fun. Hopefully you don't say camo is your favorite color, but that's be question number one. So what is your favorite color, Ryan? Green. I like green. green. Okay, it's better than camo. <laughs> 
That's part of <laughs> it. Really. Forest green. How's that? That's even better. Even better. Uh, favorite flavor of ice cream? Cookies and cream. Okay. I like that idea. Cookies and cream's good. If you could spend 24 hours with anybody dead or alive, who would it be? That is a good question. Um, I'll have to say my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think I just should just drop it in the show now because that's the best. That's the best answer. That that's too that's, easy. But I figured that, out. No, that was good. That's okay. really good. I liked it. No, that's that's amen to that. Amen to that for real. If you could visit anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh, man, that's tough. I'd I'd like to do a lot of traveling. Um, the the Mayan ruins have always been something that I'm super interested in. So just kind of doing a tour and seeing some of that. Sure. Really cool. That's nice. That's the first one. The first time that's been on the show too. I like it. I like it. Last question, just because I, I have to have some seriousness with this and this, this show and what we do is all about making a difference and changing, you know, changing some people's lives because podcasts change your eyes, right? I mean, podcasts helped us out tremendously and that's kind of what this show is about. So if you could give any advice to young agents out there, uh, either just now getting started or even an agent that has never been in the industry, getting ready to get his feet wet, what could be some advice that maybe you've learned or went through something you wish you would have done, um, you know, that could benefit somebody out there. Something I heard somebody say to me was like, get yourself a personal board of directors. And I, that has been really beneficial to me. I'm not nearly as consistent in reaching out to those mentors that serve in that capacity for me, but, you know, having not just a mentor, but having a few mentors, I think is huge. And it's one thing to say, you know, I've got this mentor that I talk to maybe once a year or something like that, but sure. uh, really getting some consistency and finding someone or more than one person, like I say, that they're going to be okay with you reaching out to them, asking them tough questions, asking for the candid feedback and, um, so having a mentor is, is so huge for me. Um, it's so huge that I decided to get four or five, you know, and so not all of them are, you know, have to do with my professional career. You know, I've got a mentor who is uh, a pastor and, and I ask him tough questions about fatherhood and about marriage and about being a son to my, my parents and, um, just the hard things going on in my life, but yeah, I've got, I've got several that are in insurance and some that are agency owners and some that are not, you know, so just having different sources of knowledge to, to kind of lean on and pull from has, has been really good for me. I don't think you could have said any better. I agree. I, I really do agree. Everybody thinks, oh, it's my, that's my mentor or, you know, I got to go ahead and talk to my mentor. How about, Hey, I'm going to go have a fun. I'm going to go talk to my mentors. Um, love the plural pluralness of that, that word, because it's, I, when you said that, I'm like, man, do, do I have a board, do, do I have a board of, board of mentors? Cause I don't know if I do, but you do, man, you, whether you, people think it, whether you do or not, you do. And there's people out there that want to be and people that care about you, people out there that really want you to be successful. And it's okay to have some tough love from those guys. Those are the people that are going to make you better. Cass has given, has said some things to me before that I just wanted to go over and just, you know, grab them, but he does, they do that because they love you and they care about you. And, Getting the mentorship is the single most, I think, important thing when it comes to your success uh, and long-term success in this uh, 
uh, in this industry. So Ryan, you hit it right on the head, man. And I, I couldn't be thankful, you know, thankful enough to have you on the show. Um, I look forward to getting to know you even more as the show evolves. Um, look forward to seeing you in the finals because that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, but if anyone did want to reach out to you, learn, learn more about, you know, things you're doing at the big eye, young agents that are trying to get some advice of, you know, maybe trying to find some mentorships, you know, just, or any, any in general questions, uh, how could people get in contact with you and, uh, you know, bounce some ideas off of you? Yeah. Well, um, if they're still listening, they, they know that LinkedIn is the spot I'm active. My email is ryan.smith at smithsonsinsurance.com. The place I'd tell you to go follow is on Facebook, OK Handball. It's Oklahoma Handball. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, Instagram. I don't post a ton on there, but like I told you a little while ago, I've got a tournament coming up here in Dallas, February 13th, 12th, 13th, 14th, I think. And so I'll be posting and live streaming some of my games on there and would love some support there. Uh, yeah, check out Oklahoma Handball. Absolutely. And if you're having a wedding and need someone to play the cello, get your, get call uh, Mr. Ryan Smith. He'll, <laughs> no, he'll, knock, no, he'll no. knock it out of the park. Uh, well, Ryan, I appreciate your time, man. Keep making a difference. It's what this is about. And, uh, you know, once again, I just thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and being a friend of mine. So any last words before I let this thing go? Appreciate you, Mitch. Thanks for the time. Uh, yep. Good luck in the protege. Absolutely, sir. Well, for Mitch Gibson, Ryan Smith, man, I appreciate everybody joining in the show and to the MVP podcast. Uh, once again, always remember that you can make a difference. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on all those channels that he just uh, he just mentioned, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, the best because I've got an iPhone is Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. So go hit the subscribe button. We'll catch you next week on the uh, MVP podcast. And once again, always remember that you can make a difference. Take care, everybody. Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it, really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really. And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.